when it comes to getting calcium, it's not just about getting enough calcium. It's also about making sure you digest, absorb, and assimilate that calcium. Welcome to Stronger Bones Lifestyle Podcast. I am Debbie Robinson, your host and guide on your Stronger Bones Lifestyle Journey. Dairy is scary. There's actually a YouTube video called Dairy is Scary. And I heard about this from a nutritionist that my daughter was working with in the UK. And I watched it. And there's some things I like about it, some information in there that's great, some stuff that I knew before. And then I think it's a little crazy, some of the information. If you'd like to look at it, it's called Dairy is Scary. Here's what I'd like to say about dairy. So many of the women that I work with with osteoporosis and osteopenia, when I work with them privately in my programs and uh, help them take charge of their bone health, almost all of them are eating massive amounts of dairy. They're drinking milk, they're eating yogurt, and this is because of the calcium content and bringing in more calcium. So there's a couple things I'd like to talk about when it comes to this. So let's go with our gut feeling. I always like to show up and question everything because we rely so much on science, yet science requires that we're able to hold everything else constant except for this one thing, this one variable we're trying to look at, that everything else will remain the same so we could say without a doubt that yes, this is going to affect that, right? We're going to start to bring in some things. So when we actually study things, we have to think about how, how are we really able to do those studies in the first place. So as of now, there is no scientific proof that dairy is inflammatory. Now there are a few proteins in dairy that can trigger inflammation in humans. And as a functional health coach running functional labs, I run what's called a dairy zoomer. And this actually looks at all of the parts of milk. So not just the whole food form, but all the peptides and amino acids that make up dairy. And so I get to see when dairy is subjected to my client's blood, is there immune response? And I'm going to tell you that in almost everyone in the 90th, 90s, 90% of the time, there's an immune response in the ladies that I run this lab on. And my ladies are menopausal females with osteoporosis or osteopenia. So I see an inflammatory response to dairy all the time in my population. But, you know, I'm not running studies. I don't have millions of dollars to do double-blind randomized studies. So, you know, that's just N of one, me doing this and, and sharing that information. So the studies are not out there to show that, but there are two proteins in particular. And the two proteins that I focus on when I run those labs, one of them actually can be correlated to the islet cells that are in the pancreas that secrete insulin for blood sugar management. And when the immune system is making antibodies, it doesn't always, it's not always specific that it's going to target this specific thing. It might make an antibody for things that look like this. So let's say it was going after X. It'll make antibodies to get anything that is X or looks like X. So there's sometimes that we can get mimicry or, um, you know, like it'll look just like that. So it's going to attack that. So one of the is the islets, the longer ham, which are the islet cells that are in the pancreas that secrete in insulin. 
Another one are retina cells in the eyes. So when I'm looking at a dairy panel, I'm looking for these two areas. These are two proteins that are known to be inflammatory in many humans. And in my case, I see it over and over. So we have that aspect there to like, like to share. Yet when I was looking for scientific proof and scientific studies with milk being inflammatory, they say that the science isn't really there yet. And then I have to ask myself, all right, who's behind all that? Who wants to put a kibosh on studies looking at inflammation and dairy? Who would have a vested interest in that? Because I'm sure that exists as well, right? What the studies do show, though, is that there is no proof that higher dairy consumption reduces fractures. And that is why we're doing it in the first place, right? We're, we're trying to reduce future fractures and to reduce the risk of fractures. So scientifically, there is no reduction in fractures with dairy consumption. And that I think is really important. So drinking milk and eating yogurt is not gonna reduce fractures. Yes, it has calcium. The concentration of calcium and milk and the other ingredients in the cow dairy that we're eating is not similar to human milk. We still don't know if we properly assimilate and digest and if all of the properties exist in milk from a cow that are actually for humans and for human bones. So we don't really know if that's the case. It also becomes a factor of are you digesting, absorbing and assimilating the dairy? So that plays a role too in the calcium that's in the dairy. It's not just the, 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 it's first of all, are you digesting and absorbing and breaking down the dairy in all of its parts? And then are you absorbing all of the individual parts, including calcium, which is why we're doing it in the first place. So for me, it's really important that we actually think about what we're doing. We don't just blanketly look at something and take it at face value, but we actually, actually start to think about the reality of what it is we're doing. So I took a cheese course in Beverly Hills at a pretty high-end cheese store in 2008. And I learned so much in this class. I learned about how cheese came about. So years and years and years ago, people would live in the valley during the winter and they would live in the mountains during the summer. Right? So to, to avoid the, the harshness of winter in the mountains and the harshness of heat in the valleys. So they would move throughout the seasons. Well, animals have babies in the spring and a female cow will actually produce milk for 10 months after she calves, has a calf. So the cow would feed her baby and then there would be milk left over and they would have that milk either to drink or it was discovered as they were transporting the milk up the mountain from the valley to go up there in the winter, as they put the milk in whatever receptacles they had in those days, which happened to be the stomach of a sheep or the stomach of an animal, which was a pouch, they would put the milk in there and it would turn into cheese. And so they discovered cheese. And the reason why cheese is in big wheels is because they could wheel it up and down the mountain to and from the mountain and valley. So I found that to be really fascinating. 
So that's how nature intended or humans living with animals. If we think about the way that cheese came about, the way that milk came about before we were in, you know, trying to do studies, improve things and this and that and the other, this is how humans were living. They weren't drinking milk all year long. They were not drinking four or five glasses of milk all day long or eating massive amounts of cheese or yogurt. It takes time to ferment and to culture yogurt. It takes time for cheese. Softer cheeses, cheeses like mozzarella and ricotta are usually three weeks or less. And then your hard cheeses and your really hard cheeses take longer. So the harder a cheese is, the longer it takes to process. So we didn't have all of that. That takes time. So we were not ingesting the quantities. We couldn't go to the supermarket and purchase the way that we do now. So we are not designed in my mind to actually eat these massive amounts of things that we're not putting the time and the energy into milking the cow, creating the yogurt, creating the cheese in the first place, using the calories in order to get that to happen. We're not doing that. So we shouldn't be eating the massive amounts that we're eating. So just thinking about this from a what makes sense perspective, that's how I, I, I want us to approach this. So there's that factor that we would not be ingesting as much as we were, not to mention all of the weight bearing movement parts of milking cows going up and down hills and making our own food all day long, which is partly what keeps bones strong. So let's not forget that part of all of this. It's not just about taking supplements and eating dairy. It's also about what are you doing from a physical, from a mechanical loading perspective, from a stress creating, pulling and pushing on your bones every day for stronger bones, right? We have to take it all into account. We can't just think we're going to sit on the sofa and eat yogurt and have stronger bones. One of the other things is that these cows are factory farmed today. So we artificially inseminate them and then we take the calves away and we start taking their milk right away. They're factory farmed, they're in large, large groups. So they live in close proximity to each other. They may be more subjected to rubbing up against each other, getting sores, being so close to each other. Then when we milk them and we put the metal milk extractors, whatever they're called on their teats, we are milking them. And I actually did this once in Scotland. I was really wanted to milk a cow. That was like so important to me in my life. So in 2006, I went to a dairy farm in Scotland and I saw how they got the cows to come in you know, the dog was helping them. And then they hooked them up to these metal machines and they're putting the metal machines on their teeth. They're metal and then they have like some rubber on them. And then we were able to milk ourselves. It's not so easy to milk a cow. That's another thing. If it was up to us to get our own milk, to make our own uh, yogurt and cheese, it's not so easy to milk, to get milk out of a cow. So we, we connect them to these machines. We are taking milk maybe for longer periods of time and maybe in a different way than a warm, soft cow tongue that would wrap around its mom's teat with all the moisture on it, getting milk out of her body. So there is pus and blood that is coming out of the cows as they're being milked, going into the milk supply that's being uh, captured from all the milk that was captured that day. Those cells that are in there are immune cells. They are white blood cells and immune cells, and they're called somatic cells. And actually, the FDA allows one of the highest concentrations of somatic cells in the world with 400 million parts 
that are, it's more than anywhere else in the world. So you got to ask yourself, if those are allowed to be in there, those are immune cells that are created by the cows against an infection in their body, we're ingesting that. So what is that doing for us? And, you know, is that being studied? I'm not really sure, but probably not. And that's going into our body. So will that trigger inflammation in us? I mean, how would we ever know? That's the whole point. How could we really ever prove this? Am I going to drink a glass of milk? What, what are the, how are you going to test me to see what that immune response is? And how do you know what factors it is that triggered that immune response if there was one to be found? Would it be the somatic cells in that milk? Would it be the way my body responds to the type of calcium that's coming in? We don't know. And so that's why we may not ever know this. So these are things that I like to ponder and ask myself. And when I got myself to limit my cheese intakes, I used to love cheese. (laughs) I used to say that if I could live on a few things, it would be bread, butter, and cheese. That's what I thought I could live on forever until I realized how horrible gluten is for us. I think butter is fine. I think cheese is fine in moderation and there's better sources of products, better to get it from small factory farms or ethically raised animals that have a good energy in them in the process of capturing their milk and then making the cheese and the yogurt and whatever else. Uh, If you can make your own dairy products, that would also be better. But really supporting those ethically raised animals and taking into your body something that has a more positive energy source and not the factory farm that we see everywhere. So would we be drinking this amount? And would we be drinking and eating this all year long? Our ancestors didn't. So those are some things that I like to think about when it comes to dairy. I also think about hearing that dairy causes mucus secretion and production in the body. So when you're sick, staying away from dairy because it would create mucus. Well, mucus is an immune response. So is that not the immune system acting? And when people give up dairy, they notice less phlegm in their throat. They notice less tension and pain in the joints, especially the hands and the knees. So what is that? What is that when you give up dairy, you notice that you have less inflammation? That's what I see in the women that I work with. When I have them give up certain foods at the beginning of their programs, they report a reduction in pain in their joints because there's less immune triggering that happens when you go off certain foods. And inflammation is a root cause of bone loss and a root cause of many, if not all, illnesses. So being Going with your gut, I focus on the gut. I have a, all my pro, most of my programs are healthy gut, healthy bones because the gut is the outside world. The mouth to the anus is a closed system. So when you bring things in your body, it's still outside of you. It has not become you yet until it crosses your mucosal barrier. So be careful what you bring inside from the outside and question it. Question, is this good? Why am I doing this? Should I do this? When it comes to needing calcium for bone health, which yes, it's a very important mineral for bone health and for many other functions in the body. When it comes to getting calcium, it's not just about getting enough calcium. 
It's also about making sure you digest, absorb, and assimilate that calcium. There are many sources of calcium that are not dairy. And so looking for food sources of calcium that are not dairy is important too. Bring those in, have a balanced meal. You know, balance, internal balance, balance outside for fall prevention, balance inside, balance in what you eat. Some sources of calcium-rich foods are some dark leafy greens. There's beans and seeds and nuts that have higher calcium concentrations, tofu. I would stay away from fortified products. So even when you do some of the nut milks, they'll report higher calcium concentrations, but be careful with fortified products. I do not like that because the quality of the vitamins that are being used for fort for fortifying them are not the best quality. So really important. Looking for other areas, other places to get your calcium so that you could find that balance. And dairy, I do think, contributes to inflammation because I see it in my functional labs that I run. And so until we have conclusive data, still making some wise choices, wise decisions, and being really careful with what you eat when it comes to your food. And then important is to make sure you have a healthy gut and system so that you're digesting, absorbing, and assimilating the nutrients. And then remember the alkalinity acidity piece of this as well, because the blood is maintaining this precise pH of 735 to 745. And in order for it to stay in that place, the bones will dissolve and release alkalizing minerals to manage that acidity and alkalinity balance. So making sure that your gut is healthy, that you're not too acidic, and that you are eating vitamins and minerals from many different sources to supply the nutrients that are important to optimize health and to build strong, good quality bones. So do your research, sit with yourself, ask yourself these questions and make informed decisions on what are the right foods for you to eat to optimize your health. So is dairy scary? I'm going to say it is. For me, it's scary. I stay away from dairy. I will eat goat and sheep cheese. It has to be organic or ethically raised. And I limit my exposure to the inflammatory aspects that I do see and know dairy to contribute to. So wise decisions and do what feels right for you. Thank you so much for listening to Stronger Bones Lifestyle Podcast. Bone loss is not an inevitable part of aging. We don't have to just wait for it to happen. There is so much that you can do. And that is what you will learn each week on the show. Go to my website, debbierobinson.com. If you want more information about what was shared in today's episode, at the bottom of this episode in the show notes, there will be links to whatever was shared. Please subscribe to this podcast share this podcast with your friends, your family, or any women that you think may be interested or benefit from the information we're sharing. Please rate the podcast. And if you have any questions you'd like asked or answered, I would love to hear from you. Let's do this, ladies. Let's change the way the world views osteoporosis and slow down, stop or reverse our bone loss, take charge and show other ladies what is possible. Thank you so much for joining me. 